My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. The root of all of our problems right now, whether it's about racism, whether it's about police brutality, riots, looting, lawlessness, even government-ordered shutdowns and stay-at-home orders that seem to go on and on with no accountability, clarity, or reasoning, in some part, all of it can be tied to the fact that the vast majority of people don't believe in God anymore. On the surface, people might argue that polls and statistics show that still a sizable majority of people claim to believe in God. But if you dig down deep in the tabs of those polls, what exactly the majority believes can be very, very different. Lumped into that group are those who say they believe in the idea of a higher power or perhaps a spiritual force. But to be frank, we don't really need a polling firm to do a study, do we? We have all sorts of examples that don't demonstrate a population that has a relationship with or believes in the God that we profess. The division among ourselves where different groups of people have justifiable outrages that affected members of their groups, and we've allowed those things to generalize and characterize the other of the whole. The lack of trust between human beings, the lack of respect for one another, whether it's in extremes of violent criminal activity or just nasty judgmental comments issued in the press release where people cherry pick something to fit their own narrative and their own agendas. Even the desperation that you can see and hear the last few months with all this news about the virus. I'm not saying people shouldn't have listened to scientific analysis and, and medical professionals But respectfully, it's a far from perfect and changing thing as more and more information is gained and researched. So yeah, we have to be responsible, we have to take precautions, we have to be thoughtful and attentive about how to deal with something we've never seen before. But when you see a video of people at a supermarket shrieking and literally chasing a woman out of the store for not wearing a face mask, almost with this mob-like mentality rising up to stone the poor woman, You see a desperation, you can see a fear that was striking. And that comes from believing that this physical life that we have is all that we have. No, none of these things demonstrate a majority of a world that has any supernatural faith that's in relationship or who believes in a God that we profess. 
Which is why the most important thing about today isn't for us to have a, a theological lecture on the nature of God. The Feast of the Holy Trinity is meant for us to ask, who is God and what does he mean to me? How that affects everything that's going on outside, within our church, and within ourselves. This gospel begins to answer those questions. Jesus reveals the inner heart of God, whose love is so pure and so perfect that he's a unity, a trinity of one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these beautiful words from the gospel is his answer to all of our, our deepest questions, our confusions, our fears. We need to listen again and believe what these words tell us about the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. What had motivated Jesus to share these words in the first place was a question by, by Nicodemus, this Jewish Pharisee who wanted to know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. He was wondering, what was it that made Jesus so different from all the other people? that they were only beginning to experience his glory through his words, through his presence, through his miracles. And thousands of years later, Jesus' response to Nicodemus needs to convict our hearts and cause us to do some reflection. Because it's easy for us to dismiss the problems of the world, the problems of the church is just too big for us as, as individuals. We can tell ourselves that someone has to do something or that a committee or a leader needs to emerge. But the reality is there, there is no program, there is no committee. These problems, these issues have in a sense always been around. There were failures in government, there were hatreds among groups of people in society during Jesus' time that would make our current situation look pretty tame. There were people being used and abused and devalued as human beings in just as, if not more atrocious ways then, as there are today. But here's the thing, what captivated the minds and hearts of people to begin to address these wrongs, to effect real change, was when they connected to God. When they heard this revelation by Christ of who God is, and lived their lives as if he was the only thing that ultimately mattered. Just think about it, because of Jesus Christ, the sick who, when he had walked the earth, were seen as sinful people, people to be avoided and discarded and left on the sides of the road, they now mattered because God so loved the world. And so the Catholic Church was the, the first institution to develop universal health care, where the rich and poor were cared for, were healed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because of Jesus Christ, who spoke of the value and the dignity of every human life, the church recognized how important that message needed to be communicated to every corner of the world so that every human being could learn that they too mattered and they were a part of the world that God so loved. And so the church developed the first widespread universal education system that still teaches millions around the world to this very day. Those are just two of many things that were started by the church, motivated by this core belief and understanding. What are we doing now? 
For us, the challenge is to reevaluate what it is that we do. If we're not coming to Mass because we believe God so loved the world, if we're not sending our children for religious education because we believe God so loved the world, if we're not gathering in all of our groups and societies and organizations that all do good things, whether it's the Newman Center or local parish, because we believe God so loved the world, then why are we? What have we made these things? If we're not motivated out of a belief that God has this love for you and every one of his creation, then he's not being glorified by these things, and they will die. On Trinity Sunday, it's easy for us to just get lost in the mystery of trying to understand one God in three persons, to let our highly analytical minds try to figure that out like it's a puzzle or a question to be answered. Jesus reminds us God's not a thing, but a person. Three persons, but one God. And offers us the opportunity to go beyond trying to figure him out and actually relate to him and participate in his very life. If we would but let his love resonate in our hearts, a love which created and redeemed and sanctifies us to this very day, then the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can be shared with a world that seems to have forgotten how much they mean to him as well.